0: I could easily talk to most guests on the podcast for far longer than these episodes allow, and no one sits in that category more than Adrian Barker, and that's exactly why he's the first guest to be on the show for a second time. The first part of this episode was truly just us catching up, and I wasn't going to leave it in, but when editing our conversation, I felt there was a very honest sense of vulnerability that inspired me to include it in the post. Given the fact neither of us are natural self-promoters in this age of look at me, I wanted to share it as I hope it'll help others know that they're not alone in their hesitations. We have an incredible amount of overlap when it comes to the ways we view the world of business, and as you'll find in this episode, the ways we view the world on a personal level as well. Happiness is something we all strive for, and Adrian and I discuss the process of finding it. We take it a step further by identifying how happiness relates to luxury watches and things that are otherwise characterized as materialistic. I thoroughly enjoy getting to know Adrian more and more, and it's fairly obvious given the amount of laughter in this episode. And it was really great to swap stories and experiences as we dive deeper into his e-commerce business and his overall growth as a content creator. If you missed our first conversation, I do encourage you to go back and listen to it. Adrian's just as real as it gets, and this is exactly why I know we could have easily made this episode three hours. But a condensed round 2 we'll have to do for now, so why not get into it? I'm your host, Wesley Smith, and you're listening to The Standard Age Podcast. By the way, thanks for doing this again. Hey, no worries.
1: No, it's an absolute pleasure. I, I love what you're doing. Um, not not just your podcast, but your, your products are um, seriously kick-ass. I'm, I'm, I'm wearing your products constantly. Well, but I had your shorts on yesterday. I've I, I, I love that T-shirt. That T is, and I'm not just saying this because because I'm talking to you. Like seriously, that 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 T-shirt is killer. It's like it, it's got stuff in it that makes me sit up straight. it's, right. it's like it's not tailored because you don't know my fit, but it's as if you know when you put on a suit jacket and it kind of it it makes you think oh yeah I'm I'm gonna hold myself correctly that's exactly what the t-shirt does yeah that's great and the hat as well I love my hat it's the only baseball hat that actually fits like suits me and fits yeah Yeah. I I, I love baseball caps, but
0: this is the, the last one I bought I love the look of it but it looks stupid well it's super casual too yeah I mean it's a different look but it's um You know, I really appreciate you saying that. And quite frankly, I work very hard on the stuff that I want to produce. And I know that it's good shit. Like, it's, it's. I know it's good because I've worked in this industry for 25 years. And I really don't want to put out crap. Like, this thing, everybody's telling me, like, if you actually like this, this, like, ornament, desk ornament, it's actually a functional shift knob. No way. (laughs) Like, this thing... Like, yeah, it's it's basically a paperweight. It's like a solid block of aluminum. And it's the same aluminum that Audi uses in their A8 and aircraft aluminum. Like a lot of, it's 60-61 aluminum. Right. And like all these things, like this took me over six months to, to actually prototype, let alone make. And I, it's it's good. Like I know this stuff's good, but it's like I can't. I can't be the one to be like, you should buy this because it's good. <laughs> because they're going to be like, well, of course you're going to say that because you made it.
1: Yeah. And and I'm, I'm exactly the same. I had an email from a, a customer the other day saying, um, hey, why, why don't you do a video talking about how you pair your straps with your watches or your outfits? Like,
0: yeah, mm. shit.
1: That's... Of course. But it just feels yeah. weird, me talking about it. Because, of course, I think the straps are great. And, of course, I'm going to say, this strap goes with this outfit, and it—I it, I completely understand what you mean by, um, I don't know, selling your own products because, of, of course, you think it's great. But on the other side of it, um, we've just got to do it because, exactly like you say, I know my straps are, are, are great, uh, and it's—I it, just like you, I've worked hard to get these products to where they are. Some of the products that I have. Um, I've sourced from people who I know do great products. But sure. my native strap, for example, they are my strap. I, I've, I've uh, specified, I've, I've sourced all the little elements that have gone into it. And that is my, the, the Bark and Jack product. Um, and so I, I completely understand the idea of, of course, I'm gonna say it's great. Um, and it's also tricky for, for, for me. Because I, I want to shout about your stuff. And I've, I've got mates who are doing cool things that, that I want to shout <laughs> about. But it's hard to like, kind of say, because I do get paid by some people, I, I, I have sponsors of my content. And, of course, I'm going to say, that's great stuff. I only work with people who I want to work with. Yeah. But at the same time, it's quite obvious when I'm doing a video that's paid for by um, uh, a, a website. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to kind of say, Guys, I know I, I said that stuff's great, and I do think it's great, but I'm also paid to say that's great. But also, this shit over here, like Wesley's just doing some kick-ass stuff. But it's hard to say that without someone thinking, oh, yeah, Adrian's just being paid to say that.
0: Yeah, I mean, other, other than just saying that you're not, like, you know, like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's tricky for you, too, to talk about, like, how you pair your straps with, you know, your outfits and stuff, because you're very similar to me where like you don't really want to be the face of your brand. You just want to make cool stuff and like talk about <laughs> yeah. cool stuff. That's why you're talking about watches and you're not talking about your wife and kids. Right. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, I know exactly where you're coming from. And the second you start to talk about yourself, it starts to enter like vlog territory as opposed yeah. to like, like third per like third like third person content, if you will, yeah. you know, but I agree. I think, if somebody requests that of you, I don't think you should do it just because the request was there, but I do think it makes sense for your brand, right? Because you do have taste and you do have style and I think you would, <laughs> you, you, no, but you wouldn't pair anything that, that looks like shit. You know what I mean? Like, you yeah, no, exactly, like no, exactly. Yeah. Just to sell it, you know, like, oh, I always wear this khaki strap with this Navy blazer and you're like, mm, <laughs> would you like, you know? So I think because you have the honesty and more importantly, the integrity behind your product and your branding and your brand and you personally, I think you wouldn't do it in a sleazy way. Right. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's sometimes hard to get to a point where, um, the guys over at, um, the great NATO have, Mm. they seem to just slip it in because I, I think they can just slip in, um,
0: Oh, they, they mentioned you one. The- I, I was blown away by that. <laughs> they didn't tell me they were going to do it. It's so cool and casual because there's two of
1: them and they can have a two way. It's kind of that they, they always have this bit at the start where they're like, oh, well, what have you been up to? I've been up to this and that. Oh, by the way, we've got this through. And it's just conversational where it's hard for me to naturally say, oh, by the way, this has happened without it sounding like I'm being paid to say this because it's that's it's so tricky to do that.
0: Well, I know you're sort of on a time crunch, so we can we can delve into some stuff. But I, I actually wanted to kind of start off talking about some watches. Um, and your recent post about the Breitling Premiere B09, um, I think I watched it either yesterday or the day before. I really enjoyed the explanation of the differences in column wheels and the, and the types of chronographs. I think not too many people talk about those types of things. They just say, oh, yeah. it's a vertical clutch or like it's a column wheel you know what i mean like i think you did a really nice job explaining it
1: thanks very much and it's it's tricky to know um i, I actually messed that part up i've, I've removed a section because I, I completely messed up one of the explanations between um <laughs> the, the column wheel uh, and the vertical clutch and the cam actuated. but but it's it's hard to know how deep to go into a certain thing Mm-hmm. And it's, this is this constant um, balance of do how deep do I go? How much time do I spend on this item right. when I'm not being paid? And I want to really be clear that I'm not being paid. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a real tricky thing. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's hard to know how much do I share about this product? At the same time, I want to be educational. I, I want to share a little bit. I'm not an expert but right, I can right. research and I can share information. So I feel like I should share a bit more than what most people are doing. And also, I don't want to just say something looks cool and this is good. You should believe me because I say it's good. I say it's it's good because of X, Y, Z. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's also challenging to kind of say, I don't know. That, that video was tricky because I really like that watch. And it wasn't an advert, but I could see how people might see oh why does he like that watch so much despite yeah. the fact he's he I, I mentioned that this isn't my kind of watch yeah i love it oh it's such a hard balance with it really yeah. is hard to kind of figure out where do i push this product because i think it's great but at the same time um not being sponsored by them
0: <laughs> well see yeah no exactly and i just think that like you do such a nice job of that because it's you're going into an explanation in the way that, hey, if you don't already own a chronograph, like you even went into like the tactile feedback of of a column wheel, right? So you kind of gave me a visual and almost like physical representation of this piece without me having touched it. And so whether you messed something up or not, I just thought it was great because as an owner of several chronographs, um, I was like, you know what? He's exactly right. And because I've never had to explain this to somebody, right? Like nobody's ever asked me for mechanical movement advice, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And uh, you know, and and it's funny, I'm wearing the Tudor chrono today as a, um, as kind of an homage to that video, because obviously Breitling and, and the Tudor share a little bit of tech here. Um, Yeah, they do. Yeah. But what's your favorite modern chronograph? Oh, Wow. Um, and you don't have
1: to pick one. There's, I, I don't know the exact name, okay. but there is a, a fairly expensive monopusher chronograph by Montblanc. That's, uh, it's using their Minerva uh, caliber inside. It's around thirty grand, uh, and mm-hmm. it has a, a salmon dial, and it's a monopusher, and it's just it. It looks like it could easily have Patek on the dial.
0: I know the exact watch you're talking about. I, I can't remember the name, but it, it is a gorgeous-looking
1: thing. And it's funny when when um, when I think about Mont Blanc, you always think about what well, I always think about pens and not necessarily the watches. But I remember getting hold of this piece, having held many of their kind of ETA-powered, sleeter-powered movement watches, and thinking uh, this is different. This is a different sort of Montblanc. This is uh, this is a proper watch as a far right. as so far as like this has real stuff going on inside this isn't just off-the-shelf movements this isn't just someone having a business idea this is like someone's really sat down and thought about this and mm-hmm. they've killed it this is yeah a watch uh, but pricey it's it's well over 20 grand i think it's around 30 grand or something right right stunning thing I'd love yeah it.
0: i know that um when you were working at apple you sold your stock and bought an explorer too how did you land on that watch
1: Oh man, I, I love I, that I sold, story. I, by the way,
0: <laughs> <laughs> but
1: it, it yeah, it was, it was a bit of a. Um, I sold loads of things. I sold cameras. I sold. Um, I had about <laughs> uh, nine guitars at one point, and that was the final push. Was selling my my last guitar, um, uh, and and Apple stocks had been going crazy. I, I bought in at about something like twelve dollars, and I sold at around hundred and twenty dollars oh my $170, god $170 something like that something crazy um and all the time I thought there's there's no way these these stocks could keep going up so let's get out <laughs> uh, they, they kept kept on going up <laughs> um but yeah the, the, I kept not wanting to get a rolex I kept wanting to look at um I was looking at omega speedmasters uh, in particular there was a broad arrow which had a gold bezel a white gold bezel which was pretty cool um but there's just something about Rolex that I didn't want Rolex because everyone had Rolex and everyone was talking about Rolex. And it kind of seemed like the obvious choice, kind of like getting a 911 or um, or just getting a Lamborghini. It's kind of like, it's, that, that's just obvious. Go off and get a McLaren right. or go off and get get a, a TVR or something, some, something a bit different. And so I kept kind of wanting to get off course and look at stuff that was around the smaller things. But every time... I was searching, the logic just kept drawing me to this Explorer II. Um, so I just I just pulled the trigger. And it was wow. back in the time when uh, this watch was listed for about 3,200, something like that. Yeah, it was 3,200. I emailed the guys, the, the dealers in London. I was like, look, I'll, I'll pick it up today um, and give you 2,600 for it, just as a complete lowball offer. Yeah.
0: 2,400.
1: No, 2,600. And they, they emailed back straight away saying, yeah, yeah, sure, come get it. What? <laughs> that was a proper lowball offer, but um, yeah, this—that was back when these things just didn't really sell. Um, so yeah, that—that that was my first proper
0: watch. Right, 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 right. What? Uh, so I'm curious. Why the 36 millimeter explorer as opposed to an OP No Date? Hmm. I think probably that is
1: purely down to branding and image, because the Explorer is the sports watch. Ah. Uh, and and the OP isn't a sports watch the OP. I love the OP range. I think it's a, an awesome range. Sure. But technically, the Explorer is part of the sports family part of the um, the professional family, whereas the OP isn't. Um, so yeah, I, I think I don't know. And and the problem is, for me, I have just fallen in love of I don't know where it right now. I've fallen in love with my Explorer. And so I I can't see beyond that. I I can't imagine anything different. I've got my name down for the new Explorer 36 millimeter. And I will probably get it. But I hate the idea that I might at some point sell my current 36 millimeter Explorer. There's, there's no logical sense to say keep that watch beyond the emotion that I've connected with that watch is there's no logic to say you need it it's got an old outdated movement it's got a terrible bracelet
0: i was going to say you can can you tell the weight difference in person yeah yeah you must right yeah because i held an older one yesterday actually i met a a guy for a beer and uh he had an an older model i think it was like a, a late 90s like 1999 model and um yeah you could definitely tell the bracelet's light for sure yeah
1: yeah, it, it it feels cheap. It it doesn't feel like what you'd imagine a Rolex to feel like. Uh, God, so it looks good. It Feels great. Oh <laughs> yeah, it's 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 just cool. I love. It. I don't know why mine is.
0: Am I the only one that hates the color of Super Superluminova when illuminated? You know that blue, like that kind of new blue color, as opposed to like that kind of greenish.
1: Lo- I, I, I think loom as a whole is overrated I, I think it's <laughs> um <laughs> I hate super luminova man I, I never see them I, I I guess my main watch is is my Explorer and so the loom just doesn't work so I, I don't get any of that <laughs> but, right. but it, if you wake up in the middle of the night or uh yeah yeah if if you need loom it only ever really works if you go from a bright place into a dark place if I go into my garage right straight away, I can see it. I say, oh, shit, that looks cool. But if I'm waiting until, I don't know, if I go out camping, the watch is pretty much dead by the time it comes to midnight. So it, I, I think Loom is, it's a fun thing to talk about. And if you've got a UV light, you can power it up straight away. But apart from that, I, I never get to see it.
0: I totally agree with you. I, I think about that, I do not not often, but when I do see the Loom, you know, bright, it's, it is cool. But I'm like, yeah, this It kind of doesn't work. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: I'd much prefer to have like a little crown that you can just press in and it will just do a little backlight or something like those old uh, Timex Ironman, I think they had.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So let's talk about your YouTube channel. Um, It's obviously you've been on before. And again, thank you so much for doing this one more time. Um, Thanks for having me. Your channel is talking watches and drinking coffee. It seems coffee was inevitable, right? I think it's a perfect match as far as an e-commerce product.
1: Yeah, it's, it just felt like a fun thing to do. Um, and I've probably had more coffee companies approach me than watch companies. That's hilarious. Um, and it's, it, yeah, it, it is fun. I, I have I have sacks and sacks of coffee um, from <laughs> just, just random people uh and, and so yeah it 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 was inevitable um the, the the challenge is is that coffee is such a personal thing and just like watches there are so many different ways of of getting coffee there's so many ways of making coffee there's so many different tastes um and so it's i think as a business it's a really tricky thing to do mm-hmm. uh, you need to have lots of uh not lots of varieties but a, a good size of variety to cater for, for different tastes ranges sure but also it's it's one of those things where you start to create a relationship with your local roaster whereas i'm based in Scotland, having coffee roasted in california <laughs> and then around the world so it's it, it there is a, a mismatch there but it's it, it it is fun and this stuff is kick-ass coffee i can say that because the, these these guys are doing all the hard work i I just get to do the fun stuff where I taste it and say, yeah, that's great. No, that's crap. Let's change this. Let's make this darker. <laughs> so
0: yeah. You know, I I, have, I face a similar situation slash conversation with all the products that I make because I'm not, you know, knitting my fabric, you know? <laughs> so it's kind of like, thank you for producing my product so well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. But I, I think it's, it, it's one of those things where,
1: once you've created a name for yourself, you and, and also you have an eye for detail or a vision, you don't need to be the executor. You don't need to be the one doing the craft. It's about finding those who are great at doing the craft. I can't make a leather strap. I know the process i could talk someone who's good with their hands and good with tools through the process sure but i'm, I'm not the guy doing it but i know what i want i know what i want it to look like uh, and i think that's that isn't necessarily what a lot of the craft people know what to do uh, and so it's i think it's a good relationship and i think it's how how stuff should be
0: yeah no i totally agree um Regarding your channel, you recently said your face being in the thumbnail is an algorithmic decision. Where do you you find that kind of information to make that kind of informed decision? There's... um uh i don't know where i found that actual bit of information but i
1: i I have a newsletter that comes around um from from various companies there's a huge community around trying to understand the youtube algorithm there are youtube channels based on understanding youtube itself Um, uh, but then at the same time you can be assigned I've, i've just been assigned a new youtube strategic manager and so they kind of look at your content look at um the technical side of the content and advise on how to make it better and it, it just so happens that people go onto youtube for visual entertainment and they they can see a picture of a nice car or a nice watch or a nice mountain but that nice watch or mountain or car doesn't really have any emotional connection to it and so by adding your face you're adding, you can add intrigue, you can add anger, you can add excitement just by showing your face. Right. The problem is that my content was never supposed to be about me. It was always just like what you mentioned earlier, being the third person. It was always, I'm just the deliverer of whatever is going on. It's about yeah. you and the product as opposed to me being part of this relationship. Uh, so I do find it really awkward um, uh, having my face as part of the thumbnail. I, I can often spend as long taking the thumbnail photograph as I do to actually record the bloody video. Because it's it's just weird. I'm I'm not a photogenic person and, and I, I don't I don't need my face to be out there. But it is that's just how it is. And it's if you want to be big on YouTube, then you have to play by the game. There's a lot of people who complain about oh no one's watching my videos or I don't get as many views as so and so. But you're not doing the game like so and so. That they are they're they're playing along with what's required and that's just what you have to do
0: yeah it's funny it's almost like climbing the corporate ladder you there there's a game there
1: yeah that that's exactly it yeah don't complain about your boss getting the job or whatever if you haven't been doing the arse licking and all the the showing off of what your your work is i I was rubbish all that stuff
0: yeah i'm i was awful at it i'm terrible at it um my best friend was in town over the weekend and he was basically like yeah i think part of your problem was your was you <laughs> i was just like gee thanks and you are not wrong <laughs> um, but that's why we're doing what we're doing right 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 which is so ironic because now you've got a different ladder to climb and different so with that advisor like how did how did you get assigned to that person did you seek them out or does youtube assign you a an advisor because of your subscriber count
1: yeah, you, I, I got my first um, strategic manager when I hit about 60,000. Uh, and I, I think the algorithm just highlights certain people who are getting traction, right. um, just to kind of coach them into the right space. For YouTube, it's all about numbers. It's all a numbers game. So if you're doing the right numbers, they're going to help you out. If you're not, then they're not going to help you out. Um, That's incredible. I don't, I don't know what the trigger was this time. Um, I, I, the channel's not particularly growing massively quickly and i'm not i'm getting decent amount of you i'm getting a million views a month um but that's not like within the youtube world that's not massive that's kind of just normal i'd guess um but i don't know it's a new person so i'll, I'll see what they're up to hopefully well, that'll help
0: <laughs> uh, well i wanted to congratulate you because since we last spoke you hit a hundred thousand but as of i think yesterday you were at a hundred and forty six thousand which yeah, I don't know is it me or do milestones always seem to be a steam engine like I feel like you got to almost you 50 growth in such a short amount of time
1: it's it's nice that you say that I, I don't think it's been a short I, I think it's slow but that's not necessarily me saying oh I wish it was quicker right I, I wouldn't be upset if there was quicker growth but at the same time <laughs> I'm very happy with with what's going on I'm, I'm having fun and I always remind myself that that is, that's the focus is to have fun. I could be making more money. I could be making more content and I could be growing quicker if I did different things, but there has to be, for me, there has to be a balance of how much do I play the game and how much do I just have fun? Yeah. Right now I'm making the content that I want to make. I'm doing the things that I want to do. If, what I do stumps the growth. For example, I've, I've got a couple of Oris watches in at the moment, that stuff isn't that video isn't going to get high views. So that video won't get above 100,000 views. Hmm. I could go down to learn I was invited to um, the launch of the new Tudor that came out today. Uh, I could have gone down to that meeting made a video on that that would have got 100,000 views. That just didn't fit within my family schedule. And so it, it's just one of those things. So there are things that I could do that would speed up the growth increase the growth but my my focus is don't make this a job make this a hobby and if people come along for the ride then awesome if they don't then that 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 doesn't matter it's it's about i didn't enjoy my last job and so i'm keen to make this
0: not be a job absolutely i feel that's exactly my approach to standard h honestly like the day it becomes work is the day i don't want to do it anymore you know what i mean yeah how much so that's, time? that's
1: my concern about the next step. I kind of feel like the, the next step is inevitably going to be selling watches mm. in some capacity. But at, at what level, how I go about it, I don't know. How I execute it, I don't know. Because there there is danger that that could, I could take investment. I've, I've got a, pop, a couple of people interested in investing and I could take investment open up an office hire a team and have that team run the day-to-day of various bits and pieces is that the route that i want to go do i want to be the manager of a team of people right i i think i'd actually prefer to be in the mountains making a video about a random watch being launched but there's so I'm, i'm really at a crossroads of what is the next step and what is that actually going to be like, do I just carry on the journey that I'm doing, which future wise, do do I want to be doing this when I'm 50, I'm probably not going to be TV, like energy for when I'm 50. Right. So I I, I don't know what that looks like. I I do like the idea of having a business that isn't reliant on me being on screen. Yeah, because it has to be some element of what is that exit, just in case this thing doesn't work out i also like the idea of just being the movie maker that's my passion is making videos right i don't have to be in front of the camera it can be someone else in front of the camera
0: yeah which kind of maybe lends itself to you maybe producing videos for larger brands and you become more of a marketing agency
1: and and that is yeah and it would destroy my i've, I've thought about that and and there's been quite a few conversations with with different companies around that idea um my big challenge or my big um kind of motivation around bark and jack was to be completely independent from brands right i'm I'm learning that it's it's hard to be truly independent um and also if i were to sell watches from oris or tudor then i would no longer be independent if i were to do a collaboration with them i wouldn't be independent if i went off and made content for them i won't be independent at some well, point that's just going to have to end cuz it's, cause it's th- there's a growth and there's there's a journey and if i just want to make better and better content then i guess I, i'll just have to stop being independent at some point
0: but you're independent by way of maybe having the autonomy to choose which brands you work with that's exactly so- it and this is a challenge at hudinky Hodinky! I always say hodinky wrong. How do you say it? <laughs> I, <laughs> it's funny you say because I remember you saying this on your video. It was so funny when you started saying it because, like, I noticed but I didn't care. But now <laughs> when you say it, it's All hilarious right. because you're so aware of it. I, I say hodinky. Yeah, it is. I well, I say hodinky. Yeah. Hodinky. Yeah. <laughs> okay.
1: So, but, but the challenge that they have is everyone says, oh, they're no longer independent. They're saying this is a good watch because they sell it. But why is it, uh, why is it the narrative they sell it because they think it's a good watch. And so it's such a, a challenge that, that we're in. They well, don't sell every watch. They, they don't sell all Tudors. They, they, they hand-pick which ones they do. And I'm, I'm it's, oh,
0: yeah. The, the assortment just keeps growing actually with Glossuta and, and all these other brands they now sell. But like what I was saying is like, if you're just making videos for other brands, meaning you're behind the camera, not in front of the camera, that in lies your autonomy. And that is your independence because you're choosing to work with that brand. Right. Yes. So that was kind of what, what I was alluding to, but how much time, if any, do you spend looking back at what you've done and accomplished, or are you always looking forward? But my character is to always look
1: forward and never mm. be content. My character is, it's never good enough. And I, I think that's deeply ingrained from my dyslexia at school, that it was genuinely never good enough. Mm. And so I, I have this kind of ongoing narrative that what I've just done is is bad it's 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 never good there might be elements that are like of something but the overall package is, isn't good so it's always about moving on uh, when i was a kid that was a very very toxic mindset to have now mm-hmm. i i thrive in that mindset of let's never sit still let's always push forward i've started listening to um a podcast that's exploring buddhism and i i love the mindset of um i i don't know much about buddhism but the what I've gathered from this podcast is that it's it's living in the moment that you have right now and it's appreciating what you have around you, which if I break that down, I should be very happy. Right now, I'm in my own little studio with more cameras than I could ever imagine. My kids are about to come home from school, which I apologize if they make a noise. But um I'm in a house that I like, I have a car that I like, I have a wife that I usually like and I have two kids that I love. <laughs> so it's, this right now is happiness, right? But then I often default back to my, inside my head and that is, but what are we doing tomorrow? How are we going to make tomorrow bigger than today? And it's it's a tricky balance of driving forward and, and making something bigger and better, but also appreciating what you have accomplished and what you have right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, in those sort of existential questions that you're referring to, it, they only get more profound as you get older. And I know I'm not much older than you are, but like, again, my best friend was in town this last weekend and like, I'm, I'm willing to bet 30 or 40% of our weekend was spent talking about these types of subjects because, and I think it's also why you see like older people get more religious as they get older because Good. they're just kind of like, what am I doing here? A, B, like what's going to happen to me next, you know? Yeah. And not that this needs to take a turn to a dark place, but it's just one of those (laughs) things where it's like, I a hundred percent understand what you're saying because I think you and I both live a pretty good life. And we, we talk about the subjects that are, you know, uh, these are luxury products for the most part, Yeah, you know, which Boom. I don't, I'm, I was going to ask you later, but I could ask you now, like, how do you define luxury?
1: Um, I think luxury is, luxury is simply something that you don't need, but you want. And that can be anything like me grabbing a coffee in, in town. That was what, two pounds 80. I I could have just waited 15 minutes and got home and had a coffee there, but there's a luxury of paying someone else to do that. It would have cost me pretty much nothing to make a coffee at home, but I got someone else to do it. Um, It wasn't actually great, but the process of having them do it, and me walking around with coffee, I liked that journey. So I I think that's luxury.
0: Um, Well, it also tastes different like you know what your coffee at home tastes like so yeah. there's like an adventurous aspect to that purchase and that's what i like about getting coffee at different places
1: that's really interesting yeah That's interesting you say that because it, it it is it, i always have this thought of is this going to be a good one because it's never the same at home you kind of master your your process and yeah it might change slightly but you kind of know you're going to get a good coffee but when you go out there is kind of like a a it's a gamble card element of yeah. it is it is a gamble yeah the, the, the yesterday the coffee that i got from exactly the same person from exactly the same coffee shop was horrible two sips and that
0: was in a bin I, I couldn't do it whereas the one today was decent <laughs> it was- well it's funny because like when i go on vacation i never get coffee in the same place twice right because i want to find the best one and then that way i guess i shouldn't say i never get it twice because if i ever go back to visit that place. I now have found the best one, so then I know where to go next. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah,
1: but it's—I I, I do think luxury is, is is basically anything that you have or can have that you just don't need. Um, it's a luxury having nine cameras. It's a luxury having more than one watch. It's a luxury being able to spend maybe anything more than fifty quid, a hundred quid on a watch, and it's—it is so. It's all relative to so many situations and it, I, I don't think it necessarily comes down to money. It kind of comes down to like when we've got a house, technically I could buy pretty much any watch like financially because I have a house. I don't have to have, I could have a flat. I could have a, we could all live in a one bed flat and I could have any watch at I want. So it's, it, it is all relative into so many situations. Um, my camera collection costs more than my watch collection. So it's, it, it's it's a weird thing. I, I don't know how to answer that question. <laughs> I think well, it is it, literally it, something that you you don't need, but you have or can have.
0: Yeah, I tend to agree. But it it's funny too, based on what you said before about and how it reverts back to that, where you're like, I should be happy, but I wake up each day wanting to be better. Or like, how can I make it better? Like that alone is a luxury, right? Like you get to kind of, choose how to make your day better, which is great because you're not just satisfied. Like I always try, I I sort of live my life by a couple different things. One is tough, but fair. And the other one is um, always be happy, but never be satisfied. Yeah, I like that. And I, I really try my hardest to be that way, you know, because then I'm also tough on myself, but I'm being fair. And that's also towards my wife as well. Like I'm very hard on her just as she's extremely hard on me. Uh, (laughs) But, but at the end of the day, I try to be fair about everything. Right. And um, oftentimes I find that I'm being very unfair to myself, which, you know, we're all our own, we're, we're all our own worst critics, but I'm just very hard on myself. And, and, and then I wasn't dyslexic, right? Like, so I don't even have that element that I'm beating myself up over where you're not necessarily beating yourself up over it, but there's gotta be like a subconscious thing going on. It seems. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. The, for
1: me, that there definitely is an element of, um, uh, lacking in confidence is, is always tied in with dyslexia. And it's often the lack of confidence is more of a hindrance than the actual dyslexia itself. Cause it's, mm-hmm. it's always there. Whereas dyslexia only affects certain areas of, of the brain. Sure. Um, but the idea of, of of never being, being happy, but never being content, so you're always straightforward. forward. I, I think that's my state of mind. When 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 I when I think of life, I can't help but just smile and and be happy of of how things are, um, and and how things have kind of ended up. There's always going to be a bigger house. There's always going to be a nicer car, the newer car, um, and that's kind of just part of the fun. But I think ultimately. Uh, it's around finding happiness and it's yeah. I, it's such a hard thing to to realize that 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 is more important in life than the actual paycheck because we are conditioned i was talking to my to my son this morning about um i can't remember how we got into the topic of university he's only six so he's, that's a long way off uh, but he's like do you have to go to university do you have to go to college and, and study for three years what do you mean it costs nine thousand pounds that's a huge amount of money and do and you have to do that to get a good job? I guess you, you have to do all this stuff to get a good job. But no, you don't. You, you, My cousin didn't go to university. She, she didn't even finish um, uh, what we call sixth form. I don't know what the equivalent is. But she's earning more than all of her friends. It's, it's not about your education. It's about your brain. It's about finding something that, that you want to do as opposed to uh, any certificate that you have. And, and ultimately, it's about finding something that you enjoy doing because you will burn out. The amount of people that that I know who work in the financial sector who hate their job, they earn horrible amounts of money and they're not happy. So Mm -hmm. what's the point? It's, It's about finding happiness. And that's what I love about what I do.
0: You know, it's funny. I think a lot of people maintain their status within those types of jobs because they feel that's what they deserve. Because otherwise, if you feel like you deserve more... No, I mean, that's maybe a sweeping statement. Maybe I shouldn't say that. But I think a lot of people do that, right? Like, this is what I deserve, and it, which is unfortunate because that means they don't always have the same support system that says, well, yeah, you should go after that. Or I do believe in you. or, Or they're just like, oh, my God, I can't rock this boat because I've got four kids and this is stable and I need to provide for my family. I mean, like... There, it, there's a multitude of ways to, to look at it, obviously, and it's it's kind of crazy. H- how have you changed since you became a father?
1: Oh man, that that was the biggest, the best thing that could have happened to me. Becoming, I was going to say, becoming a man, but I, I think that's just, just more becoming mature. an adult. Yeah, yeah just mature. And, yeah. I, I I was. I was what, I think I was 28 when I had my first kid. Uh, Mm. And up until then, I'd just been enjoying life. I was working in Apple retail. I was was living in a house with three other mates. We were having barbecues on on the balcony and getting stoned every night. And I was still living the whole college, university lifestyle, uh, loving life. It it, it was was awesome fun. Uh, But then the moment... I realized I was having a kid, which was planned. It was all planned, but there's a difference between saying, let's do this to actually happening. And then you have the kid in your arms. You think this is my responsibility now. I I need this thing to live. I want this thing to live. <laughs> right. It, suddenly the whole responsibility of, of having someone else to look after was scary as hell, but also amazing because it, it really pushed me. It catapulted me into the requirement to do something good in my life. Suddenly my life had a purpose, which which sounds sad, but in my head, that is exactly what happened. I now have a reason to work hard. I now have a reason to go out and get a better job, whatever that may be. I now have a reason to survive, not get into fights always make sure I look both ways when crossing the street. There's stupid little things like when I go snowboarding now, it's it's kind of not a matter of let's go off piste and piss about. It's kind of let's just make sure I get down the slope (laughs) healthy and I'm still alive and I don't break my neck or something. So it's, uh, uh, yeah, it
0: was, it was crazy. Have you got kids? No, 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 we don't have any yet. Um, But it's funny. A lot of people say that actually, that it gives their life purpose. And like, it's funny just, you know, as, as car lovers, right? Like, A lot of my friends found themselves driving a lot slower like even if nobody else is in the car and clearly slower if the kids are in the back so yeah i get
1: like insanely angry if i see not just bad drivers but aggressive drivers or uh, people taking risks like you you can kill a family or you can kill three people in that family and leave two people and destroy their lives just by you being a prick and taking unnecessary risks. So yeah, I get crazy angry at people like that. Yeah, but I get frustrated at myself as well. Because I've one of my best mates, he's, um he doesn't have kids. He's, he's worked his way up the corporate ladder. He's now um, a, a big director of a large tech company. And I just think, why didn't I have that switch in my head? Why couldn't I take life seriously? It, it took for me to create a life, for me to actually take life seriously and kind of get switched on and, and I don't know, get hungry to, to make something proper. Whereas he's had it from day one. He's, he's, I think he's about six years younger than me. He's earning crazy amounts of money. He's, he's massive within this company. And it's like, wow. I just, well, one, I, I was rubbish at that whole corporate. Well, it's the system you know, yeah. it, it, it is a system, but he, he, he's great at it. And he takes life. Not, not necessarily seriously, but he, he appreciates that he has to grasp opportunity and, and make opportunity and, and do something whereas I was rubbish at that. I, I now I do it. Yeah, I guess maybe I'm, I'm just switched on and engaged with what I'm doing. And previously, I perhaps wasn't all that engaged in what I was doing.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess not that you ask for an answer to that question, but (laughs) I think think it's kind of one of those things where like, let's say you're a professional dart player, right? And you're the best in the world. But then you could also be like, but why wasn't I a basketball player? I could have made millions. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like you're the number one thing in the world, but yet you could have done something different to make more money, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, but that, you know, what is it Com- comparison is the thief of joy isn't that the sure
1: yeah yeah and it's and it's interesting because I, I I used to I used to look I, I still look up to him but I look up to him in a different way sure. he used to motivate me into into wanting to do more be more because I kind of think I, I see you I can't do exactly what you're doing but it's inspiring me to go do something else but I now see that our our energies are in a different ways. And we're both successful in in completely different ways. Well, mm-hmm.
0: oh, that's good. So yeah,
1: it's, it's, it's less of a comparison now. And yeah. I, I think the fun thing is that finding my happiness meant that I don't compare now. If anyone says, Oh, but so and so is doing this. That's awesome. If, if that's making them happy. And that's what they're striving for. then that's sick. I don't need to do that. I'm, the track that I'm on right now is, is good. And I'm staying there because whatever they're doing over there, it, it has no impact on me.
0: And I think that only comes with age as well. And it's something that like I struggle all the time with, with things like Instagram where I'm like virtually seeing s- other people's successes. And I'm just kind of like, but I know my t-shirts are better than that. I know my hat fits better than that or, you know, whatever. And I'm just like, but why? And it's just like, not a jealousy thing. It is, there's a level of that a hundred percent, but the more I'm like, well, it's different, you know, like their product is just simply different. That audience is different. Their values are different and that's fine. Yeah. You know, like, the, within business,
1: with it's, it's fun because you can, you can analyze what other people are doing. And I, I do this all the time with YouTube. I see other people's channels explode and, and grow much quicker. And i initially, I'm like, wow, this uh, what's going on there. Surely they, they must be doing something dodgy to do that. But when you start to analyze it, you think, oh, okay, so they're doing this and that. I could do that. I have the ability to do that, but is that gonna bring me happiness? Is that what I want to do? Right. So that's, I feel like that's kind of the fun thing. Maybe I should apply that to, to life, not just with business.
0: Right, yeah, totally. Well, how do you gauge your success then? Like, are you only looking at subscribers or like what, what are the sort of metrics that you use to gauge your own success? I mean it could be money too i mean i don't know what is it
1: i i, I think it's I, I think it's just enjoyment i think if i'm enjoying what i'm doing then I'd, i feel successful i'm I'd, i wouldn't class myself as a rich person i I'm, I'm i'm not rich um that's awesome though i i have an okay size of channel um the following that I have is okay i think but the end goal sorry the goal was always to have fun and so just through that, I feel successful. I, I I want more money. There's watches that I want. There's cars that I want. Uh, there's there's a bigger house that I want. But that doesn't mean that I will necessarily feel more successful then. Because I, I don't know, I, I just feel like I've, I've completed my initial task. And that was to free myself from the nine to five, beat my old salary, and and just have more time and, and enjoy what I'm doing. And then, and that's what I'm doing. And that's, that's, and so that's why I feel successful. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people will look at me and think, Oh, but he's only got a hundred thousand subscribers. That's, that's not success. Look at this guy. He's, he's got five times that or a million subscribers that, for me. That doesn't matter. I'm mm. happy doing what I'm doing. And that's, that's, that's just what I want to do.
0: That's great, man. Yeah. I'm kind of like you where like, there are other watches that I like, there are definitely cars that I would love to own. Um, and you know, I think the perception is often that like, and I was actually talking to Stephen Pulverant about this, about it was kind of a one-sided conversation. He had posted something and I said the following, (laughs) but it was basically like, it's less about the materialism and more about just wanting to be surrounded by beautiful things, you know, beautiful watches, beautiful cars. I'd like to think I've done that very well with my wife. You know what I mean? (laughs) I, 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 you know, I just enjoy being around beautiful locations, you know what I mean, like I mean California's you know no slouch from the the visual standpoint, you know, and that's i mean not no discredit to North Carolina where I'm from, but it's i I love California, you know, yeah um, and I think it just comes down to just this obsession with being surrounded by beauty
1: yeah that's 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 a really good point. Because it, it, it's challenging when you are surrounded by luxury items to know what is the motivation? Mm-hmm. What is it about these things? And uh, a lot of my friends think that I'm a snob because I have a Rolex or whatever. Right. It's is that it's, what it's, it's about? It's really hard to kind of talk about, to, to explain yourself out of that mindset without sounding like you're just trying to justify something. But you're right. It, it is just nice things. I, I've... The cameras that I have are just nice products the room that i've created is is just a nice room um yeah just surround yourself with nice things whatever that is whatever right. that, that that can be Yeah, it could
0: be books i mean it could be anything you know if you haven't heard episode one of the standard age podcast then let me tell you about my friend tim jackson As owner of Passion Fine Jewelry, Tim and his team specialize in fine jewelry, as well as some of the finest independent watch brands available. I'm talking about Gronfeld, Habring, Kudoki, Roger Smith, Roman Gauthier, Sarpaneva, the list goes on. The staff at Passion Fine Jewelry is literally made up of friends and family, so you will feel right at home if and when you visit. If California is out of reach, you can absolutely email or call the shop and they'll get you sorted. Visit passionfinejewelry.com for more information. As you all know, I'm a huge fan of using the right product for the right job. And like many of you, I appreciate products with a story. That's why I drive a Volkswagen GTI. It's a hot hatch with heritage. It's also why I'm into specific watches like my Tudor Black Bay. And that's exactly why I'm a fan of the indie accessory brand Contonement. Contonement makes a utilitarian cloth they simply call a kerchief. It's smaller than a standard bandana, but larger than a handkerchief, which makes it ideal to tuck in a back pocket or use as a neckerchief. I always take one on a bike ride or have one with me as a backup face covering. Not only do these kerchiefs satisfy several functions, but they look great too. Each set features illustrations celebrating icons of product design like the Omega Speedmaster, the Fender Stratocaster, or my favorite of course, a classic GTI. Follow them on Instagram at Contonement Co. That's C-A-N-T-O-N-M-E-N-T-C-O, or visit them at contonement.co. And use the code STANDARDH in all caps, no spaces, for 20% off of absolutely everything in their online shop. Now let's get back to the show. Well, let's talk about your e-commerce a little bit more. Um, you started with Straps. You've always loved Straps. You're very well on the record for that, which is so cool to me. Like, I just love <laughs> that you explored that with your dad and stuff as a kid. I just think it's awesome. Um but it's a saturated market and you carried on anyway yeah so like why weren't you inhibited by the fact that it was a saturated market because a
1: lot of people and and you'll probably connect with this with with you and your products a lot of people (laughs) um focus on the offering it's like oh look we've got a green one we've got a red one we've got a striping we've got a spotty one we've got a pattern one this one you can have your own logo on it And it was always a lot. If you go into pretty much any other strap website, you'll see every size, every color option, every combination. And for me, um, I loved the Apple idea of we've done the thinking. You just choose which one you want. And so there's a small selection of products that Apple have created that are great. It doesn't matter which one you get, whether you get the cheapest MacBook or the most expensive MacBook they're all great. There are slight variations. And there might be one that might be better for you if you do video editing or whatever. But regardless, all of them are brilliant. Right. And that was my idea around straps was, I'm going to do a handful of straps, ones that I would wear personally, but make them amazing. And that there's obviously a cost that comes with that. But as soon as you get the strap, you should see, oh, yeah, no, this this makes sense. It's like when you open a MacBook or an iPhone compared to pretty much any other phone. The whole process feels great. And when you have that product in your hand, it feels great. And that's exactly the same with our products. Whether you buy um, a 24-pound NATO strap or uh, a 150-pound watch roll, you get exactly the same process. You still get the same packaging. You still get the same tag. You still get the same note. And so it's it's all a bit of um it's like getting a present uh and so i I really wasn't worried about the market being saturated because I knew I could do better. I knew I could make a better product and I knew I could give a better customer experience and uh, they are luckily without prompting people the two big things that everyone says if you go on instagram and when, when people tag me and posts say the the little tag at every order gets like this little handwritten note just to say thanks yeah. And that gets Instagrammed as much as a product itself. And that's, that's hilarious. Um, So I I just knew I could just do it better than than other people. And that's not coming from a place of arrogance of I'm just better. No, I've worked in sales, and I've worked in retail, I know what makes good customer experience, I know, um, having an eye for detail is the difference between having a good product and a bad product. And also, exactly the same as you, the products that I sell, yes, there's a commercial element, I make profit on everything that I do. But it's from a place of passion, I enjoy what I create, and I enjoy what I sell. Therefore, I make sure that it's great, as opposed to I'm just going to slap my name on, you could go buy t shirts from anywhere, for probably 25 cents, and put your logo on it, and then put it online. But that's that isn't good enough. That isn't the brand that you want to create. You want to have the best t-shirt and people know that it doesn't matter about the logo. They know that this product alone is brilliant. And that was exactly my mindset around what I wanted to do.
0: Yeah, I think user experience is 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 really almost like second to none, right? You know, and you want to feel as though you spent your money on something that was worth it. Right. And so that comes down to everything from, and you know, who's brilliant at it is Apple is, is packaging. You know, when you go through the Apple packaging, it's incredible. Um, And it's so abundantly clear that other brands have completely ripped them off. Like even other, like, you know, like little cameras, I'll leave names out like some of their, they shoot more than 180 degrees. I'll say that. And, you know, those packaging is is like Apple packaging. And honestly, that was something that I knew I needed to step up to for Standard H as well, because these are like not the highest of prices, but they're a premium price for the product. Right. But I think it's fair. Um, But I knew I needed to step up sort of my packaging game because using the USPS free boxes, they're just ugly boxes for one, you know, and then second of all, it wasn't, the experience I wanted people to have when opening. And honestly, I was really motivated by Ralph Lauren because when you open a Ralph Lauren box, and I know you wear quite a bit of polo, um, it's thick paper. It's a sticker. It's that note card, you know? And it makes you feel good, you know I mean? And that is what luxury does evoke a lot is emotion, right? Because these aren't products you need, right? Like when I was a, a manager at Gucci, I used to train my staff with the mentality of um, you don't need to sell this product as to why they need it. You should be selling this product as to why they should feel like they can't live without it. And there's a fundamental difference there, you know, and it's, it's emotion. You know, these are all emotional purchases because there are plenty of other solutions to this, you know, question of product.
1: And, and I saw that when I opened, um, when you sent me that t-shirt, it was, wow. Oh, I, well, thanks. Yeah. 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 But but the paper that you use and little sticker, I didn't actually um, rip that sticker open. I, I twisted the paper and, and shook the t-shirt out because I didn't <laughs> want to ruin the paper. <laughs> I thought, man, I'm, I'm keeping this tidy. So it's, it's yeah, it, it, all of that stuff stood out. And that's, it, it, it's funny because you, you could explain that to someone and they might say, oh, but surely you just saved money if you didn't have the paper or you did this and that. But then that that isn't your market. And this right. is what I say. When people say, oh, your straps are too expensive, that's fine. That is that is totally cool because I want you to recognize the difference. And I love it when people email me and say, I, I really like the fact that your, your buckles have this little hole in the side of it because it's similar to that. It's like, I love the fact you noticed that I love the fact that you took the time to to inspect the product and, and want to get to know the product because that's the market. I don't have to sell a million, it'd be great to sell a million straps a year. But I want people to enjoy every single product. And if anyone's never happy, if anyone isn't happy about the product, send it back, man, I, I don't want you to waste your money on on my product and not be happy with it. That's No one benefits from buying a product that they they don't want. And so this, it's always about, uh, just fixing that stuff.
0: Yeah, totally. The tiny I, details. It's all about the details to me. And and to take it a step further, people can even remark, but you charge me $8 to ship this. I lose money on every shipment I send out.
1: <laughs> I hate shipping. You I, know what I mean? I always
0: have this conversation
1: with people that, because uh, and, unless you're a big company and you can, uh, we're, we're actually only just starting to talk uh, I've just got a contract through with, with a big shipping company to get proper rates but for nice. small companies it's impossible and we, we, all of our um, uh, it's not subsidized when people pay for shipping that mm-hmm. isn't actually the cost of shipping we're, yeah. we're adding more money on top of that that's kind of the customer's contribution to the shipping and then we're having to add a bit more on top of that just to try and make it uh, economical or commercial Basically, if you compare our shipping to a bigger company, we look like a ripoff, and that's just because we're we're a tiny company. And we, if we go to DHL and say, "Oh, we're going to ship X amount of these things a day," so no, nah, 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 we're we're dealing with Joe Blogs who's shipping a thousand units a day. So it's, yeah, I hate shipping.
0: Totally. No, I'm I'm 100 on board. Um, you're really fair with your pricing, though. So did you have a goal or like a philosophy behind your profitability, or like what's What's the mentality? The
1: goal was um, I I kind of have this idea of Tudor in mind, mm-hmm. where it's a premium, it's not the cheapest. You could get you could get the same category of product, not level of product, but the same category of product cheaper. But at the same time, it's not Rolex. So you could get a Tudor watch and pick it up and think it's it's a sizable chunk of money, right? A Tudor's probably uh, two and a half three grand for a watch now you could pick up a rolex and you would be able to see a slight difference but not the cost difference you could pick up a cheaper watch and you could definitely see that there there is a big difference in build quality and that's what one of my straps be i want my straps to be that they aren't the cheapest you can go elsewhere and, and buy a similar product for a lot less but at the same time if you compare it to omega straps straps that are four times the price of mine, five times the price of mine, right? That there, there isn't that much difference between the two items. And so that, that was essentially my idea was, I want to make a great product. that. I want to make a great product that costs the enough for you to feel like I have to think about it. But at the same time, when you get it, you think, holy shit, this is a bargain. This is I don't understand how Adrian can charge this much for a strap, yet Omega charges five times the amount, yet there's probably 2% difference in right. real quality. So right. that was kind of my, my idea, was having Tudor in mind. I think that answers the question.
0: Yeah, no, no, no. I, and I love that approach, you know, even the fact that it's watch-related. <laughs> 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 um, you know, I wanted to ask you this. I, I thought about cutting this question out, but I, I definitely want to leave it in because this is something I battle with. And I feel like this conversation, the tone of it and the subjects we've been breaching, I think this fits right in. So maybe you correct me if I'm wrong. But when it comes to producing products, I've had so many situations where the manufacturers like mess something up, but I'm so scared to like call them out on it because for them to produce it for me, I'm sort of the low man on the totem pole from like a a production (laughs) standpoint. That like, I'm afraid they're just going to tell me to like, fuck off, basically. Yeah. Whereas like, but from a business standpoint, like I need my stuff to be right. You know what I mean? So it's like, I often, and I don't know, maybe this is just like my own insecurity, but like, I often feel like they're doing me a favor, (laughs) you know, from because they're big and I'm tiny. So like, there's like this fear of like of getting dropped by them after searching far and wide for manufacturers and finally landing on one that's willing to work with me like do you go through that at all or am i just a complete head case 100 and actually covid um covid's been all right
1: for us uh covid's been being good for us commercially it's Obviously, a horrible thing, and lots of well, bad things to thing happen. But, oh, but yeah, commercially, yeah. right, it's 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 worked out. But uh, one bad thing that happened was when pretty much the whole world went into lockdown. That was when I felt like I was put in the pecking order, and I was at the bottom because I I have um, my Italian-made straps. but uh, Our leather goods are made in Italy, and this guy makes straps for um, watch companies and much larger. Um, uh, publication companies compared to me and it it was uh, he actually told me the factory had shut I thought okay fine cool if if that's what you need to do to keep your employees safe then cool game on let's let's catch up in in six months time and then six months time oh no we never shut no we're we're, we're still open Mm. all right so that's that's how I sit within this, this ranking. So I, I completely get it. And also downstairs, um, I have uh, a box of probably 600 straps, which I won't sell because they don't meet the level of what I want. Yet I wasn't at the point where I could pull them up on it. And so it's that's a hit on me. That's, that's just something that I have to take. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's a real challenge when you feel like even though you're paying them for a service, you're the customer, right? <laughs> you're, you're their customer. You're giving them money. Yes, you're getting something in exchange, but you're essentially, your cust- you're still within the customer journey. Yet because it's B2B, business to business, it's a different relationship. And I'm, I completely understand your feeling of, I need to keep them on side. Um, and so, yeah, it's a real challenge. So yeah, I've, I've got stock that um, is all wrapped, all ready to go, but it, it'll, it won't go on the website because <laughs> it's, it's just not at the level. And I, I just accept that as, um, that's just part of the cost really. Yeah. For you sure. know,
0: it, it does suck. And, and it's funny because it's like, yeah, I am the customer. I am paying you but they're like, yeah, but you're not paying what these other people are paying. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) You know, or like, we're not. Yeah. Uh, So it's happened with so many products of mine and I'm so thankful for the people that I have been able to work with. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was just curious because like, you're also working on like products yourself. And I was just curious. I, I don't, I've never asked that question to anybody else, but, um, I left my first supplier because um, they
1: were just absolutely. There could have been a language barrier, but I, I just felt like I was they worked with massive companies as well. Um, They're very well known in their in their field um, and highly regarded, which annoyed me, which kind of felt like when I got the product from them and it was subpar, I thought, one, you're making me look stupid because I I now can't sell this product, but two, either everyone's just blowing smoke up your ass, or you are just being pricks to me and just giving me a subpar. Something weird was was odd. And I, I just walked away from that deal. Um, but sometimes you find a, a great supplier. And there's just that one or two little things or 600 little things that, that go wrong. Um, so no, it's, it's, it's a real challenge. It's quite you know, comforting to know that I'm not the only one going through
0: that. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, this was nothing but like misery loves company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, no, just kidding. But as you've rolled out your e-commerce, what would you have done differently on day one now that you're you know a couple of years into it?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Um, uh, I don't really know. I... I Unfortunately, it, it was a big success for, literally from day one, from minute one. It, it all worked. Incredible. I, I have this annoying thing of not outsourcing and I, I really need to start outsourcing product um, photography because that stuff just takes a long time. and It's not yeah. enjoyable um, for me. I don't like it. I, I know other people do. Uh, And so I I should outsource things like product photography and marketing, perhaps Um, I'm I'm a a bit of a control freak when it comes to things like that. And also I'm a bit, a bit tight with the idea of I could do that. Why why am I paying someone else to to take photographs of products when I can do it myself? And you do it well. Thanks, but but uh, someone else would do it much better, because it's so ununiform. I hate the fact when you go to my homepage, and you see the background of the products is all ever so slight different tone of gray or shade of gray. And that that does my head in and so I, I should pay someone to Photoshop the background to make it all uniform. Um, And that would make the operation look better and tidier.
0: That's the whole reason my new website has been lagging is because I've had to teach myself how to Photoshop images out of the background and stuff like that. Like I am not a computer person, so it is completely ironic that I run an e-commerce based business (laughs) and I do a podcast and like all these like electronic things. Like I I have a joke with my wife, honestly that I have electromagnetic field around my body that just repels technology and like my garage door opener won't work for me. My iPhone doesn't work half the time. Like technology hates me. And so that's why it takes me forever to get anything done. <laughs> and it's, but the, the, there are, there are people out there who can, who can do this stuff. The problem
1: is for me is, is organization. I I think I have a a, a level of perhaps um, ADHD or I, I'm, I'm pretty sure there's, there's like, uh, an element of that in, in my head where <laughs> I'm, I'm just disorganized, but I become fixated on on a little thing. So when it comes to f- product photography, I'll do it at the last moment, literally the day of launching a new product. I'll be in the studio taking the photographs, editing and putting it online. I'll make sure it's, it's as good as I can. But if I was more organized and said, right, in six weeks time, we're going to launch this product. Let's get this product out to to so and so to get them to take product shots, it'd just be a far better result. Yeah. And if you kind of calculate the amount of time it takes me to take the product shots, it'd be cheaper for them to do it. Yeah. All logic says order, and to be fair, I, I never order the products in time anyway. So the product literally <laughs> arrives a couple of days before the launch. I take the photographs, get it online, job done. And it's that's that's not the right way to do it. Ah, what I do differently is study launching launching products. There's a science and there's an art to it. Uh, and I'm slowly learning this and it's, it's fascinating the process of launching and, and psychology around launching a product. So that's what I'd do differently. I'd, I'd study the art of launching.
0: What, what okay. So share a tip or two.
1: So there is, uh, let me quickly load up my podcast app. Give me
0: two seconds. You can cut. No, you're fine. You're fine.
1: Launch life. Yeah. It's called launch life by Jeff, uh, Walker. So Jeff Walker has studied, uh, product launches and that's uh, he, he's kind of the Gary V of product launches
0: oh interesting
1: it, he's got a really interesting journey and it's kind of a, a passive journey that he had of this uh, kind of viewpoint of the psychology behind launching a product and it's now become his thing he now advises companies on on how to launch products and Ooh. it's all around uh, it's all around teasing, but doing teasing in the right way and then following up. So it's not just the lead into launching a product. It's what are you doing after the launch? How are you engaging with the customers who bought and the customers who didn't buy after the launch? How are you kind of uh, uh, carrying on that sales process after the sale or when the sale has failed? It's 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 interesting. I'm, I'm still at the relative start of it all, but just the, the idea of it. If, if you check out the podcast, start at the start
0: of it because you kind of... It's yeah, it's kind of linear.
1: Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um uh, but it's it's interesting and it's they're, they're very short podcasts. Um I think he's got a book out. I, I don't really read much, but uh Yeah, I'm the same way. Jeff Walker. Interesting stuff.
0: Oh, cool, man. Well, thanks for sharing that for sure. What are your future plans for assortment growth or be it e-commerce commerce expansion? Seems like there's a new hire on the on the horizon. There is. Well, well my we did hire my sister-in-law, but at the
1: same time, s- so did a, a large watch company. So.
0: Oh really? Yeah.
1: So, that's, uh, <laughs> so she's she's gone there. Um, oh no! <laughs> <laughs> basically, her, her job she used to work for Hermes, and her her job uh, she used to work for Gucci as well, and then she yeah, went yeah. to Hermes, uh, and then she uh, she had a kid, and then she's um, she's now working for I, I can't say the brain. That's- that's fine. Uh, but as you, she, she's working for them now. But yeah, no, I, we need to figure out what the business structure is. And we're in this weird situation of can we commit to a whole salary? Do we want to commit to a whole salary of someone else? Right? Is it? Should we take a step back rather than hire someone refine what we're doing and make our processes better. So we, we've actually done that we actually looked at our packing processes and thought, Well, how can we what can we do to streamline this process and, and reduce the time it takes to do an individual order? So we're looking at that. Um, we will start hiring. It, it's uh, We're buying a house at the moment, so we kind of need to get that project done and then properly sit down and, and look at uh, what we're going to do, whether it's going to be content creation or whether it's going to be administrative and operational. That's kind of the challenge. I'd love to have someone to help me create content but commercially that doesn't make sense because the content isn't a moneymaker it's it's the products that are the moneymaker so right. if we're going to hire it would make sense to hire someone who's on the money making side and and just let me do the creative and content stuff right right it will happen i right. i love the idea of having some kind of investment and having a big office um a fun office not not a horrible office but like <laughs> a, essentially a big studio of people working on, on multiple projects so I i don't have to be the person making the b-roll and, and doing all that stuff I don't have to be the editor this all this stuff is is a skill it's, it's not something anyone can learn how to do this stuff it's the, the creative stuff is a harder thing to learn but the technical side anyone can do it so it'd be great to have people helping out with that
0: yeah I think Peter mckinnon has got that nailed from like a oh his propaganda. his setup is <laughs> so, I, I talked to them quite quite a bit and it's they just
1: they're just solid guys um, Captain Kirk and is is that, that setup they just two cool dudes working yeah. together to make awesome content it, it doesn't get better than that and it's such a tight tight setup as well right yeah
0: well just wrapping up i know you've mentioned involving more travel and sort of adventure travel into your channel what's coming up now that things are opening back up
1: i want to um i'm gonna take my car so i've got a uh, uh, discovery sport and the seats fall fold completely flat.
0: Yeah, you could sleep.
1: I'm going to yeah, I'm going to go out and travel up to the Highlands in Scotland um and just take a watch out do a bit of a a video and sleep in the back of the car and I think it could be could be a laugh. It might oh. not be a laugh, it might just be a really uncomfortable night's sleep, but I think it just be just a look I I love spending time on my on my own. I'm 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 happy in my own little head uh and I like the idea of just kind of going out into the wilderness uh and it'd just be It'd be cool to make some content that is, um, just out there. I also just want an excuse just to pack the car up with fun stuff and just play with gadgets, like little camping stoves and just make breakfast in the morning. I I love the idea of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love it too, man. Like it's been years since I've been camping, but like, like that, it's just, that sounds like a blast. Adrian, this has been a blast. It always is. Um, I will keep you in the loop on anything and everything you know with related to um, releasing this episode i can't thank you enough man this is, i i never have enough time thanks so much for you. having me oh no, it's, it's always it's always a pleasure
1: and that what i love about catching up with you is that i feel like we're on so much on the same page mm. when it comes to, to life and, and business which is is really cool and, th- and that that was so apparent from the first time that we spoke um Yeah, Adrian, thanks so much, man.
0: It's great to see you. Thanks, Wesley. Have a great day, buddy. You as well. Cheers, mate. Talk to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Major thanks goes out to Adrian again. And thanks to all of you for listening. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show. And while you're there, if you don't mind rating and even leaving a short review, it helps way more than you think. Please give Standard H a follow on Instagram at standardh underscore as well as the podcast page at standard H underscore podcast. Shout out to Jensen Reed and super beautiful for the theme track, as well as the clear audio for the noise canceling headphones. Stay tuned for the next episode of the standard H podcast in two weeks time. Thanks again for listening.